Something's in the Forest by C. Francis Carnicelli. She should have been terrified at the sight of the incredibly huge eagle that had just saved her life. She should have been torn to pieces by the giant bird's talons that had clutched her tight, but there wasn't a scratch on her. She should have run screaming all the way back home to the Ammerley Orphanage where she had lived for all of her nine years. But she didn't. Instead, she stood in silent fascination at the cliff's edge watching the immense eagle glide, circle twice in the air above her, and then descend into the heart of the great Ammerley Forest. All she could think about was how she was going to explain what had happened to her back home. It was 1905, and anyone who grew up in the tiny European town of Ammerley knew it was never safe to get too close to the cliffs of Ammerley, especially curious children who thought they had no fear. Nine-year-old Marianne Lufkin, a brown-haired, freckle-faced girl, had little fear that afternoon while she picked flowers by the forbidden cliff's boundaries. After all, she had done the same thing on so many other occasions, this rather dangerous pastime had become routine. There was no fence or gate to keep the curious or foolish from falling off the edge, since no one had ever wandered that close to the edge before, until that afternoon. But dangerous or not, Marianne had wandered too close to the cliff's edge that afternoon to pick her favorite flower, a dancing wind willow, when suddenly she felt the ground below her give way. She had screamed out for help as she held on to what was left of old tree roots and weeds that jetted from the cliff's mountainside, but there wasn't anyone for miles around. Or so she thought. As she clung to dear life, the roots twisted and snapped off in her small hands as she fell to certain death toward the jagged rocks and bone-crunching ocean waves below. Then she saw it. A gold and black shadow flew over her at a split instant. Some thing had grabbed her with giant talons that gripped her firmly yet gently. She was rescued before the rocks below could claim their first victim. After her amazing ascent into the sky, in the grips of some enormous creature, she was peacefully brought back to earth and dropped onto the grassy hillside just outside the forest border. Marianne tried to start out all the bizarre afternoon's adventure as she walked calmly home to the orphanage and into the waiting arms of Mrs. Teasdale, the house mother. She barely spoke to any of the other children that evening at supper and quickly changed into her nightshirt. She lay in bed while replaying the day's events over and over again. The orphanage had become home to Marianne ever since she first arrived as a baby, left on the doorstep by an unknown person with a simple note explaining her presence. That night at the Ammerley Orphanage, Marianne found sleep almost impossible after her ordeal at the cliffs. She squirmed and tossed about trying not to wake the other sleeping children in her dormitory as a thousand questions filled her head that she couldn't answer. Why didn't that giant bird kill me? Where did it come from? And why wasn't I scared? She remembered all her Amerly geography and history that she was taught in school and thought that maybe there was a clue somewhere that could solve this puzzle. She remembered learning about Frederick March and how he and Charles Bedford of England discovered the tiny hamlet of Amerly. Nestled in the mountains of Europe, Amerly had all the amenities of neighboring villages complete with a strange past and mystery. Legend had it that deep in the heart of the vast Amerly forest there was a fearsome creature that lay dormant until some careless wanderer should enter the woods and be devoured instantly. Akin to the boogeyman, but more real since the boogeyman was not indigenous to Amerly. Of course, no one ever did get killed, but the threat was very real. Real enough for the Amerly Council of Elders to put a fence that totally encircled the massive forest. Warning signs were placed every hundred feet, telling of swift and terrible retribution if anyone were to set foot inside the wooded glen. Such were the things that legends were made of in Amerly. After puzzling the questions over and over again, Marianne decided on a solution, even though it was a scary thought to begin with. Her solution was to go into the forest after school the next day and see if the giant eagle lived there and find out the truth for herself. The last school bell rang out the following afternoon as Marianne exited the building and ran towards the great forest of Amerly, 
making sure no one else saw her. As she approached the forest edge, she stopped dead in her tracks by a large sign that screamed out its message. Warning! No trespassers into the Amberley Forest. By order of the Amberley Council. Keep out! She peeked past the huge sign and fence and peered into the shadowy, deep-wooded glen. It doesn't look that scary, she thought, trying to convince herself. She carefully crawled through the gate and ventured into the forest. The smell of fresh pine filled her lungs as sunlight tried to pierce through the thick trees with streaks of filtered light. She whistled to herself in a hearty attempt to keep herself calm. It wasn't working as well as she planned. As she moved deeper into the heart of the forest, she tripped on something. She stopped, turned around, and picked up what appeared to be a feather. She held it up by one end and stared at it. She had seen feathers before, but this feather was larger than she was. As she examined the gold and black object, something crept up behind her. It walked up with barely a sound and gently touched her on the shoulder. She leaped back and screamed. A middle-aged man stood before her wearing strange clothing that seemed to shimmer in the filtered light. He smiled and raised his hand towards her. Marianne's eyes grew wide as the stranger advanced. She panicked and fell backwards, dropping the feather. As she got up, the stranger stopped and offered his hand to help her up, but Marianne fumbled to her feet and bolted out of the forest. The man called out to her, Marianne, wait! The child zigzagged from tree to tree, leaping over vegetation and falling logs, not knowing where she was running to or from. She was frightened of the long shadows, the wooded glen's darkness, and especially the strange man in the forest which made all her childhood nightmares of the infamous boogeyman come alive. She finally found an exit through the trees, darted through the gate, and headed straight for the orphanage. As Marianne rushed in the door, she made a beeline for her bed and hid herself away from the world by ducking under her blankets. She swore to herself that she would never, ever go into that forest again. Nightfall and a cool breeze entered the open window on the second floor of the orphanage that played with Marianne's long brown hair. She wiped her nose in her sleep and rolled over, exhausted from fear and running through the forest. Off in the distance, the town clock struck the two o'clock hour. She rolled over again and momentarily woke up. Half asleep, she opened her eyes and looked out the window and saw something rather curious. A peculiar object floating in the sky. It was V-shaped and moving up and down like, like a pair of wings. It first seemed immense, then it grew smaller and smaller as it got to the window. Marianne swallowed as the amusement of this dream started to vanish. She was now fully awake and suddenly aware that this wasn't any dream, and neither was the beautiful eagle now sitting on the windowsill, staring directly at her. Marianne slowly got up. She didn't understand why she was getting up, but she felt compelled by some hidden force to walk towards the bird as if she was being told to do so. The bird stood on the sill, staring at the child, and briefly ruffled its wings. As Marianne slowly drew closer, the bird seemed to fade and blur. With every step she took, her vision became more distorted. Her body ached for a moment, then felt light as a pillow. As she arrived at the window, her feet barely touching the ground as they curled up to her chest. She felt lightheaded and dizzy for a moment as her arms started to move up and down in smooth, easy strokes. The wind rushed all around her as her vision suddenly became so incredibly clear and sharp she could see from miles away. The trees, the rooftops, the vast ocean and cliffs, even the field mice below were perfectly visible, even though it was the middle of the night. In the bright moonlight, the two eagles soared up and down in the cool air. Marianne looked next to her and saw the same majestic eagle that saved her life a few days ago flying beside her and guiding her towards the heart of the Amberley Forest. She smelled the pine trees sent ahead and felt her arms getting heavier. As Marianne descended into the forest opening, her legs unfolded and her eyesight blurred for a moment, then returned to normal. She blinked a few times and found herself standing upright in the middle of the great forest next to the same man that had startled her the day before. She stepped backwards, not knowing exactly what had just happened and fearing the strange man in the shimmering clothing. The man stepped forward and spoke gently. Marianne, he said with a smile, 
who, who are you? Where am I? She cried out. I'm sorry I frightened you yesterday in the forest. Please forgive me. She gazed into his sorrowful eyes and felt a strange sensation inside of her. She suddenly felt as though she knew this man. As her fear was subsiding, she walked towards him. Who, who are you? She asked again. I, he began with a smile, am your father. Marianne stepped back, confused and scared, turning away from the stranger as he tried to explain. The man put his hands up and said, I'm sorry, there's no easy way to say this to you. Our initial visit here to this planet was purely unintentional, I assure you. Marianne turned around at the words that she didn't understand. Huh? she asked. His smile left him as he sat down on a fallen tree log and beckoned her to sit down next to him. Marianne hesitated at first, but that funny feeling inside of her told her it would be safe. She sat down next to the man as he cupped his hands together and brought them up to her eye level. As he spoke, the child looked into his cupped hands and could see his words becoming pictures. She was drawn into the vision of his words and listened carefully to what he said. We are not of this planet, my child. We come from the stars you see above you at night. Remember the colony, Marianne. Think of the colony. Marianne blinked and saw her true home coming to life in his cupped hands. She saw a race of people that had the power of living flight. There were all types of birds flying in the air, graceful and dazzling to behold. She saw children just like herself, running and playing in laughter, and then changing into birds at the blink of an eye, soaring away. Marianne smiled and sighed as she saw herself as a baby, resting in her mother's arms. Then came the firestorm, continued Marianne's father. A rogue meteor swept across our planet and exploded in fire, destroying our home. Marianne saw the meteor fall from the sky and crash into the ground. She saw a massive firestorm erupt and villages bursting into flames. She watched in horror as hundreds of people leapt from the ground into the air, trying to fly away from the fire, but were not succeeding. She saw her mother give the baby in her arms to the man seated next to her. She leaped into the air to escape, but was consumed by a wave of fire and smoke as she took flight. Marianne looked away, her eyes welling with tears. We are the last of our race, my child, he continued. I was badly hurt when we arrived here. I could not help you injured as I was, so I left with the home where you live now. I have watched you through the years while I healed, and I have chosen this time to reveal myself to you because, well, you left me little choice. Marianne looked up at him, wiping her tears away with her sleeve. The man smiled and gently reprimanded her as a father. You know, you should know better than playing by the cliff's edge, little one. When you fell off the cliff, it was I that came to your rescue. And just in time, I may add. Marianne reached over and hugged her father around the neck. He cradled her in his arms as the night air rushed through the forest leaves. Father, tell me more, she said as she wiped her eyes again. All in good time, my child. I feel transferral time is close at hand. Soon we will be together again. This time, forever. I don't understand, she said as her eyes met. It is very late, Marianne. You must go back and rest. No, I want to stay with you, she cried as she hugged him even harder. He smiled and kissed her forehead as he raised his hand and passed it in front of her. Marianne suddenly felt faint and helpless, her arms starting to move up and down in long, even strokes as the air rose up to meet her. Her feet crouched up to her chest as she left the ground and took to the skies. Her father raised his arms and instantly shot out of the forest with one stroke of his massive wings. Marianne smelled the crisp night air and saw with crystal clarity the open window of the orphanage off in the distance. Children, children, everyone up, rise and shine. Marianne opened her eyes and yawned. She saw Mrs. Teasdale clapping her hands and bustling the children around. She walked over to a sleepy Marianne. Well, Miss Lufkin, are we planning on sleeping the whole day away? Yes, thank you, she said sleepily. The woman grabbed her sheets and tossed them aside. Now you get up right now, young lady. Something fell out of Marianne's bed with the sheets, and Mrs. Teasdale picked it up and examined it. She glanced at Marianne and showed her the object in her hands. Marianne looked over and saw a beautiful black and gold feather in the woman's hand. She leaped out of bed and yanked the feather away from Mrs. Teasdale. 
You best not sleep with feathers, young lady. You could stab yourself. Now get dressed for breakfast and school. Yes'm, she replied quickly, grasping the feather in her hands. She ran to the window and saw the vast Amerly forest off in the distance. She smiled and held the feather next to her heart. Father, she whispered. School let out at exactly 2.30, and Marianne was out the school doors at exactly 2.31. She was determined to go to the forest to see her father again, and ran as fast as she could up the cobblestone street and out of the village toward the forest edge. As she reached the forest gate, a tall man holding a rifle grabbed her. Hold on there, miss. Where are you off to? the tall man said. Oh, I don't know. Maybe she's got a date with a monster, laughed another man holding a rifle. Marianne pulled away and yelled at the man. What are you doing here? We're here to kill a monster bird we are, said the tall man. Many people saw the creature the other day and are scared to death of it. The sooner we kill it, the better. But hey, uh, it saved my life the other day, she cried out. The tall man rubbed her head. <laughs> saved your life, did it? Yes, she begged. I fell off the cliff and it grabbed me and enough of your stories. Ran, now you go on home. We've got work to do here, he said, rubbing her head playfully. Marianne batted his hand away from her head and leaped on the gate, peering into the forest. She gazed and strained with all her might to see inside the thickness. As she did so, her eyes suddenly quivered and split into two vertical lines. Although there was some pain, she instantly saw straight into the middle of the forest glen and saw more men with guns. She swallowed hard as she looked around and saw her father, as an eagle, trying to run from away from the men. As the tall man grabbed Marianne off the fence, her vision slipped back to normal. Some men started to shout in the forest, Look! There it is! The man released his grip on Marianne and cocked his rifle. From within the forest came an unbelievable sound like the shattering of trees, then a terrible scream of pain echoing in the air. The man pointed to the treetops. Mother of God! Do you see that? Did you see it? It's the monster! Marianne looked up at the monster and saw the gigantic eagle rise into the sky and towards the cliffs. Bullets ripped through the air with shouts of, Kill it! Kill it! Everywhere. Marianne pulled at the tall man's arms and pleaded, No! Please! Don't kill it! Please! The great bird faltered as bullets tore through its wings and shattered the bone. Blood fell from the sky like rain and giant ripped feathers exploded in the air as cheers went up from the men with smoking guns. The eagle turned and plummeted helplessly to the earth, landing with a heavy thud that shook the ground like an earthquake. Marianne screamed and ran toward the fallen bird as the men gathered together and congratulated each other on a job well done. The huge eyes of the eagle shifted from one side and gazed at the child running towards it and blinked slowly, painfully. Marianne fell on the neck of the bird and cried into the blood-stained feathers, Father, don't die. Don't leave me, please. The eyes blinked again and fixed on the girl. Marianne could hear her father's voice telling her not to cry. I am here forever, my child, the voice whispered. I will never leave you. Part of me is always with you as I give my transferal to you. There was a short pause as her father breathed for the last time. I love you, Marianne, he barely whispered. Marianne felt a surge emanate from the eagle and enter her body as she sobbed pitifully. The rifle-bearing men walked around the majestic bird and rejoiced in how they finally killed the menace to not only their town, but other towns as well. They stopped their rejoicing when they came upon a crying child clutching the neck of a dead eagle. Years passed as the Amerly schoolroom was filled with noisy children awaiting their new teacher from the city. The door opened into the fifth grade classroom and in stepped a slender woman in her mid-thirties. She smiled and put her satchel on a desk. Good morning, boys and girls. I am your new teacher, Miss Marianne Lufkin. She turned and pulled out her books and thought back to the time when she was a student here years before. 
A long time had passed since a loving family from the big city adopted her, and all those years of pain for her father had been replaced by love from her foster parents. After graduating college in the West, she decided on a teaching position back home in Amerlee, where it all began. She had felt homesick for many years while she was away, but being back in her old elementary class schoolroom didn't exactly make her feel any better. She felt uneasy, as if she was a stranger in a strange land. After the first day of school was over, Principal Walter Hargraves, a large man with silver hair and a slight limp, walked into the room. So, Mrs. Lufkin, uh, it's Miss Lufkin, she interrupted with a smile. Ah, well, yes, Miss Lufkin, then. How was your first day? It was very nice, Mr. Hargraves. The children are angels. The man laughed a bit. <laughs> angels, it is. <laughs> you should be mindful of young Jason Rasmussen. His father is town mayor, and he thinks he can get away with murder. He hasn't murdered anyone yet, has he? Marianne smiled back and laughed. <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, good. Well, give him a week, then, he said with a chuckle as he turned to leave. He turned back around to start. Oh, there was something I was going to ask. Are you going to tonight's show? Show, she asked. Yes, I'm sorry. Didn't you get the memo? No. Well, the library is holding a special slideshow tonight for the children here at 7.30. Sort of a retrospect of the last 30 years or so. Marianne continued to pack her books into her satchel. Oh, I don't know. I've got so much work to do tonight at... Well, many of your children will be there, and I think it's a good idea to introduce yourself to them and their parents, hmm? he said coyly. She decided that there was no way out of this situation, so she gave in, reluctantly. There was something about the slideshow that made her feel uneasy, but she didn't exactly know why. The slideshow, it turned out, was better than she thought. She sat with her fifth grade class in the library and laughed along with all the other Adults in the room had the humorous slides of the old horse-drawn carts and candid photos of people. As you can see, said Principal Hargraves through the microphone acting as narrator, our mode of transportation has seemed to change a bit since the early 1900s. The next slide showed several views of the great Amerlee Forest. Uh, the Amerlee Forest, boys and girls, was said to have been haunted many years ago. Uh, the fence that bordered it here warned everyone never to go into the forest. Marianne felt a slight twinge of pain. Thoughts of the forest falling off the cliff and her... And this was the reason why, continued the principal. The next slide lit up the screen. The audience whistled and gasped. Children watched in awestruck fascination. Many of the parents remembered the sight on the screen and nodded to each other. The principal spoke up. This was the reason for the signs and the fences. The screen showed a gigantic fallen eagle with several men standing around it showing off their guns and rifles. Marianne shut her eyes and turned away. The pain of seeing her father's death all over again was too much for her. She didn't want anyone, especially the children, to see her get emotional. After the eagle was shot and killed, the townspeople built our town museum, planning on making the bird our crowning star. There was a pause in the narration. Funny thing, though. Two days later, the bird up and disappeared. Imagine that. A bird that was bigger than any building in town, and it vanished without a trace. People in the audience murmured to themselves. I guess it flew away then. Huh? <laughs> Chuckled Principal Hardgraves. The audience laughed as the next slide was shown. And this slide was made by the famous photographer Ansel Adams on his trip back here in... Marianne secretly pulled out a handkerchief from her purse and wiped her eyes, trying to calm down. Next to her, Sarah Fox pulled out her teacher's sleeve. Did you see it, Miss Lufkin? Wasn't it a big bird? Yes, she replied. He, um, it was magnificent. The rest of the slides doled on with the town clock restoration, new houses being built, and the new picnic area built adjacent to the Amerlee Forest. But for Marianne, she didn't want to watch or listen. All her memories of her father were alive again. The next day after school, Marianne took a long walk by the Amberley Cliffs and smelled the salt air as it rushed up the sides of the rock cliff. She thought back to that fateful day she had fallen off the cliff and looked at the new protective steel fence at the edge of the cliff that would stop anyone from accidentally falling again. The forbidding signs that were around the great forest were now gone and replaced with more friendlier ones that read, Welcome to the Amberley Forest and Picnic Area. 
I remember when it used to say, warning, keep out, she said to herself. Nearby, she heard the sound of children playing and walked in that direction. Around some trees, she saw several boys playing ball and leaning on the steel fence that bordered the menacing cliffs. She remembered back to her days as a child and how she used to pick flowers near the cliffs. Marianne sat alone on a picnic table near the woods and thought back to the day she entered the forest alone looking for the monstrous creature that was in fact her father. She daydreamed about seeing her father alive again and... Marianne felt a peculiar twinge. It was so strange that she completely lost all her thoughts about her father. At first she passed it off as an indigestion caused by her lunch of sausages, but the feeling kept growing. Strange how it tingled. She never felt that way before and clutched her heart as if she felt shockwaves of dread throughout her whole body. She couldn't figure it out, but suddenly, there it was. A feeling of knowing. Knowing as if something terrible was about to happen. Larry! Look out! Behind you! screamed the child. Marianne spun around and saw a young boy running to catch a ball. The boy leaped for the ball at the fence's corner, caught the ball, and then flipped backwards, disappearing over the fence. What happened next was as much a surprise to the children playing and adults watching as it was to Marianne. In the blink of an eye, Marianne was sitting alone at the tables, then a split second later she felt herself catapulted into the air and transformed into a gigantic eagle. She soared high in the air and looked down at the falling boy, as if in slow motion, straight for the jagged rocks below. Instinct and purpose took over as Marianne dove straight down for the plummeting child, with lightning speed making her look like an incredible large blur of brown and gold. The people on the cliff's edge screamed as they watched in terrified amazement. Marianne heard the screams and wondered, are they screaming because the boy fell or because of me? Marianne raced down the wall of the cliff, claws outstretched, and caught the boy in her talons a moment before the rocks could claim his life. Many who witnessed the incredible rescue gasped at the breathtaking eagle rising effortlessly above the cliffs, carrying the child and flying over to the grassy knoll adjacent to the forest. Using her wings to ease the descent, Marianne buffeted the ground with blasts of wind as she hovered a few inches above the ground. She carefully opened her claws and let the frightened boy roll unharmed onto the grass. Then with a thunderous, triumphant screech, the bird shot back into the sky, circled the area once, and descended somewhere into the heart of the Amerleaf Forest. The parents and children stood dumbfounded. The boy who was saved was very confused as he got up to his feet, helped by his friends who kept telling him what had happened. One of the boys saw Marianne exiting the forest, brushing a few leaves off her shoulder and adjusting her blouse. Did you see it, Miss Lufkin? He asked, jumping up and down like a crazed pogo stick. It was the eagle from the slideshow. Did you see it? Huh? Did you see it? It saved Larry's life. Did you see it? No, I missed it, said Marianne, with disappointment in her voice. I was too busy taking a walk in the forest. <laughs> Maybe I'll see it next time. News of the boy's fall, subsequent rescue, and the colossal birds swept around town and neighboring villages like wildfire. The Amerly Council of Elders met in an emergency meeting that evening to discuss the day's events and, much to Marianne's delight, voted unanimously not to destroy the bird this time, but to treat it as a hero and friend, and not as an enemy. All right, class, settle down, settle down, said Marianne the next day in class. The children were understandably restless over hearing news and were anxious to talk about it. I'm sure we're all thankful to our new friend in the forest for saving Larry's life, but for now, open your spellers to page 10. As Marianne was still speaking, the door opened and in walked Jason Rasmussen, the mayor's son. He casually strolled to his desk as if he knew he was late for class, but didn't care. Jason, you're late, said Marianne. Jason just smiled and said, Oh, am I? The class giggled, but Marianne did not see the humor. She closed her book and walked over to him. How would you like a trip to the principal's office, she said sternly. Jason looked at her and gave her a piercing look. I don't think so, Miss Lufkin. As he said this, Marianne felt uneasy, as if he was concealing something something that was causing the same feeling she felt at the cliff the other day. She decided to play along and talk to him later. I'll see you after school, she said quietly. Fine with me, he replied with a grin.
After class had exited at the end of the day, Marianne sat at her desk alone in the room except for Jason. She waited until the last child shut the door before she spoke. Okay, you want to tell me what the problem is, Jason? Oh, I've got no problem, Miss Lufkin. You've got the problem. Marianne cleared her throat uneasily. <clears throat> I, uh, I do? Uh-huh. I saw you yesterday by the picnic tables. I was in the forest and you never even saw me. When Larry fell over the fence, I saw you change into that big bird. There was a deafening silence in the room. I see, replied Marianne calmly, waiting for the rest. And don't say you didn't do it either. I was right there and saw everything. I'm going to tell my dad. My dad's the mayor and he'll believe anything I tell him. Playing a hunch, Marianne got up and started to walk towards him, pretending to be frightened at what he said. Truth was, Marianne was a little scared, but she also felt the boy could be trusted. She didn't exactly know how, especially by the way he was acting, but the feeling was very strong and very real. Well, said Marianne, I guess there's no use in denying it, is there? So, is there something you want, Jason? Oh, yeah said Jason, grinning from ear to ear and propping his feet up on the desk. First, I'd like an A in the class to start. Um, I get to come and go as I please, and oh yeah, no homework, of course. Of course, she replied with a sigh, feigning defeat. Anything else? <laughs> I'll let you know, said a gloating Jason. Do we have a deal? Marianne walked over to the boy, looked down at him, smiled, and said, no, we don't. Jason looked up into his teacher's eyes, but they were all wrong. They were huge, with two vertical lines. He gasped and tried to stand up and run, and Marianne, controlling her body's change, had reached down, grabbed the boy by the collar. She lifted him completely out of the desk and held him in midair, letting his feet dangle as she stared him eye to eye and into his very soul. Now this is what we're going to do, said Marianne in a demanding, scratchy voice that sounded like a strangled, muffled shriek. First, you will be on time to class. Jason nodded quickly. Second, you will do your schoolwork and homework like everyone else. He nodded again, only faster. And thirdly, you will get an A in this class, if you deserve it. I would hate to think what I might do if I got really upset, she said as she held him out straight and slowly, gently tightened her grip. Do we have an understanding here, Jason? Jason nodded so fast he thought his head might fall off. Yeah, 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 I understand, I understand, really, I do. She released her grip and slowly let him touch ground. Jason watched her eyes return back to normal and shook in fear, adjusting his collar. Marianne smiled again and apologized. Sorry I had to do that, Jason, but you gave me no alternative. Yeah, you, you could have killed me, gulped Jason. Do you really think I would have done that? She answered as she sat down and looked at him with compassionate eyes and a sincere voice. The kindness in her voice was enough to tell Jason that this was no raving lunatic who could cause him considerable pain, but just his teacher. A teacher who could change into an eagle the size of a two-story building, true, but still his teacher. He could see it in her eyes, hear it in her voice, and most importantly, he could feel it in his heart. Jason's fear slowly faded away as he smiled back at Marianne. Boy, that was really something what you did just now. Marianne returned the smile and said, Look, Jason, I think we should have a little talk. The two talked at length and Jason came away with a better understanding of who and what his teacher was all about. Marianne waved goodbye that afternoon to a new friend, and hopefully, a trusted ally. The news of the giant Amerly bird reached across the hills and mountains through the village of Trondheim. This small town was hidden in the mountains and had been built over the graves of forgotten soldiers, and sometimes the people there forgot that fact. 
The difference between Trondheim and Amerlee was this township had an army. Well, it wasn't an army in the true sense of the word, just a dozen men in green flak outfits that went out on maneuvers every other Saturday. The leader of this army was General Solomon Carver. A self-appointed general, he was an outspoken man with outspoken ideas and views that not everyone shared, but no one dared to criticize him. His incredible will and dominating nature kept him from being banished from the town for his sometimes treasonous talk. Someone once said that the general could lead his men into the very mouth of hell if he wanted to. The townspeople there had no idea how true those words were. Trumpheim has no need for an army, quipped Solomon. But that's all the more reason for having one. The enemy is always out there, gentlemen, and it is our task to find it and destroy it. He spoke these lines in front of his troops one day as they prepared for another Saturday's exercises. As of tomorrow morning, gentlemen, we are going on a little expedition over the hills to find truth to the rumors of the Amerly Eagle. If it is just a myth, we will return home. If it exists, we will find it, eradicate it, and bring peace to everyone concerned. This is our mission, gentlemen, and we will not fail. Marianne and Jason were alone inside the Amerly Forest that same Saturday afternoon, and Jason, sitting on a tree stump watching his teacher, spoke up. Oh, come on, you promised. Well, I suppose I could, said Marianne, looking around. So, asked the boy with the giddiness, how do you do it anyway? I, I just concentrate and... Marianne stood very still and thought about her father and the night flight they had years ago. A sound of rushing wind filled the glen and the sunlight spun around in circles. Marianne raised her arms and was suddenly launched into the air. Jason watched in wonder as he saw his teacher's arms grow into huge wings and her limbs become enormous feathered legs with giant claws in seconds. Oh, wow, said Jason with his mouth agape. Marianne flew straight up through the trees with a single flap of her wings and glided on the wind drafts created by the ocean wind far below her. This being an early Saturday morning, many people slept in and only a few people in town saw her flying over the village. The sky was so clear that Marianne could see for miles and miles. She cocked her head to one side and saw several miles away what appeared to be a group of green-clothed men walking the old path in the mountains headed for Amerlee. That looked interesting. Marianne stroked her massive arms and took off to get a better look. Her gigantic shadow spread across the ground and over the mountainside. General, look, yelled a soldier pointing up to the sky. On the mountainside, General Carver raised his hand to block out the morning sun. His eyes widened as his mouth dropped open. What in the name of... Marianne closed in on the people and guessed they were just explorers or hikers of some kind and decided to return home. With a single movement, she swung around the sky and headed back for the Amerly Forest. General, did, did, did you see that? said an awestruck soldier. Those rumors are true. It's huge. I've never seen anything like it. And you never will again, soldier, called out the general with glee. Sir? The enemy, private. We have found the enemy, rejoiced Solomon. We'll make camp at the base of the mountain tonight. Where is Lieutenant Waltham? Lieutenant Gerald Waltham came running over. Gee, Solomon, did you see that eagle? General Carver yelled back at his second in command. When we're out on maneuvers, Lieutenant, you will address me as general. Is that clear? Gerald snapped to attention. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Your order, sir. Solomon adjusted his belt. That's more like it. At dusk, go down to the town there and find out all you can about that creature in the sky and report immediately back to me. We'll make base camp at the bottom of the mountain tonight. Yes, sir. It'll be done, General Carver. Lieutenant Waltham made his way down to the mountainside after the sun had set and proceeded to question several people in town. Then he returned back to the secret camp some four hours later and knocked on the wooden pole that held up General Carver's tent. Report, mister. Uh, sir, said Gerald as he entered the tent. I spoke to several people in the township of Amerlee below us, and they all told me the same story. The bird lives in the forest over there and is apparently friendly. In fact, it saved the child's life about a month ago. Good, said Solomon, standing up and rubbing his hands. You have done an excellent job, Lieutenant, excellent job. It would appear that we have our work cut out for us tomorrow. 
I'll give you further instructions at daybreak. You're dismissed. Gerald continued to stand at attention. Was there something else? asked Solomon. Permission to speak freely, General? Granted. Solomon, the people are convinced the bird means them and the children absolutely no harm. Destroying such a bird would be... Would be an unselfish act of humanity on our part, interrupted Solomon. Humanity? How? This creature, this monster, has the whole town believing it's friendly. One day soon it'll turn on them and tear them to pieces. What will you do then, soldier, when you find out that we could have stopped that from happening, but did not? What will you tell your children when they ask you why you didn't stop that creature from destroying an entire town? That thing won't stop here either, I can assure you of that. First this town, then ours, then who knows where else. But that will be all, Lieutenant. Gerald reluctantly saluted and started to leave. He stopped just as he exited the tent and turned around. Uh, sir, suppose you're wrong. General Carver reached for his cutlass hanging on the tent wall. Tomorrow, after I personally plunge my sword through the heart of that monster, you'll see just how right I am. School let out the following day, and Jason accompanied his friend Arthur Spencer to Delson's Bakery. Usually on their walk home from school, they would get a donut, sweet roll, or jelly tart. Today it would be decided that a sweet roll would taste especially good. From behind Delson's Bakery and hidden in the alley, two green-clothed soldiers looked on. Will you go for this again, will you? said the smaller soldier. The tall soldier whispered, General Carver wants us to kidnap a kid, any kid, to use as bait for the creature. Got it? I don't know. It's risky. Even Lieutenant Waltham was against this plan. Kidnapping's pretty serious stuff. Yeah, well, so is getting yelled at by the general. Now, we have our orders, so let's just get this over with and drag someone to the forest. As two kept a watch of the street, they saw two boys headed for the bakery and towards their alley. Jason and Arthur rounded the corner and were silently whisked off the sidewalk by the two soldiers. The smaller soldier held Jason by the mouth and arm as the bigger soldier slapped the other boy to the ground. As Arthur lay semi-conscious on the ground, the smaller soldier whispered in anger, Hey! That wasn't necessary! Never you mind, yelled back the taller soldier. The general only needs one kid. Come on, we have to get back to the forest to set the trap. Back at the school, Marianne had put her last book away when she was struck with a terrible twinge of pain and worry. She ran out of the school, down the street, guided only by the instinct embedded inside her. In a matter of minutes, she homed in on a street alley and saw Arthur lying against the wall. She called the nearby police who were making their rounds. Arthur, are you all right? said Marianne as she helped him to his feet. They got Jason, he blubbered out as he nursed his head. Jason? Who has Jason? As two policemen ran into the alley, they heard Arthur lamenting. Two men in green clothes! They took Jason to the forest! They said something about setting a trap! One policeman turned to the other. Remember that guy walking around town and asking questions about the eagle in the forest last night? He was wearing green, wasn't he? Like a soldier's outfit? You don't suppose, said the other officer. It could be one of those crazy army people from Tromfine, do you? The first officer nodded. You get the boy to the hospital, I'll get the chief constable and the mayor. He turned to Marianne. Miss, can you... Miss? Miss? Marianne had vanished. Jason squirmed as the soldiers tied his hands to the wooden post near the cliff's edge. Let go of me! yelled Jason Rasmussen. Untie me! General Carver walked over, examined the soldier's work, and said to the child, You should be proud of yourself, boy. You are going to help rid this town and the world from that menace in the sky. What? asked Jason, afraid to hear the rest. Bait, son, said the general as he cleaned his sword with a cloth. You are bait so we can ambush that creature when it comes to attack. Or rescue you. Either case, <laughs> we'll have it. But you don't understand the sheep. It's a friendly bird. It, it is evil, yelled back Solomon, shoving his sword back into its sheath. Trust me, after we kill it, you'll be the first to congratulate me. I'll be the first to kick you. Untie me, yelled Jason at the man. Off in the distance, there was a flapping sound. 
a soldier peered through binoculars, suddenly saw something high in the sky, descending rapidly. General! Here it comes! The sound of thunderous flapping was getting louder. Places! called out Solomon. Load rifles or wait for my signal! Jason struggled to get his hands free as he watched the soldiers dart for the trees for hiding. The ambush was set as Solomon watched the skies for the eagle. As Marianne drew closer, she could hear the voice of Jason on the ground yelling up at her. Go back! It's a trap! They'll kill you! The eagle made a pass high over the boy, then disappeared over the trees. Solomon looked up and around. What happened to the bird? There was no sign of it, only the sounds of ocean waves crashing against the rocks below. Jason looked around nervously. Where was she? The roaring of the ocean below grew louder and louder. The hidden soldiers kept an empty watch on the sky. I think it left, General, called out Lieutenant Waltham. We should leave right now and back to your post, all of you, yelled back General Carver. Sir, the bird has flown away, said one of the soldiers as the rest exited the forest. They all lowered their guns and heard the rushing of the wind from the cliffs. Wings! The huge eagle rose straight up the cliff wall and fanned the ground around Jason with her tremendous wings. Taken totally by surprise, the soldiers were knocked down, left and right like children's toys, with a mighty blast of the wind concussion. Marianne grabbed a hold of the wooden post that held Jason with her claws and pulled. The pole jerked free as she started to move away from the cliff. Solomon Carver ran out of hiding and swung his sword around like a man possessed. Idiots! What are you waiting for? Open fire! But his words were cut short as Marianne's massive tail swung around and slammed into Solomon, knocking him off his feet. He reached up and grabbed onto the giant tail feathers as Marianne felt something tugging at her from behind. Curious, she spun around to see what it was and accidentally hurled the general up in the air and over the cliff. General! yelled Lieutenant Waltham. Marianne felt a wave of dread and instantly knew what had happened. Without hesitating, she dropped the pole holding Jason and spun around, hurdling herself off the cliff and towards a falling Solomon Carver. Marianne's speed was unbelievable as she raced down the cliff in a blinding blur of gold and brown. Gerald Waltham and the soldiers ran for the cliff's edge and saw the gigantic bird plummet down the cliff, grab the general in its claws, and then abruptly swing upwards so fast that some of the rocks below shattered in the wake. The eagle, with one move of her mighty wings, flew back up the cliff's wall, and then hovering mid-air, gently dropping a limp, unconscious General Carver to the ground with a plop. Marianne then flew a few feet over to where Jason was and touched the ground, folding her massive wings behind her. The soldiers then aimed their rifles at the bird, but Lieutenant Waltham shouted out, Drop your weapons! Now! The men looked over at the lieutenant, then at the gigantic bird, and then back at Lieutenant Waltham, who repeated his command. I said, throw down those guns! Now! That's an order! The men dropped their guns and rifles immediately. Gerald Waltham ran over to Jason, who was still struggling to get free from the pole. Gerald knelt down and started to untie the boy as he looked up at the gigantic eagle next to him. He looked back at the group of confused soldiers and yelled out, Don't just stand there like idiots! Get the general! The soldiers ran over to the general, who was now conscious and struggling to get up. They helped him to his feet, despite his yells not to do so. The echoes of what sounded like a stampede were rising in the air as Jason was finally freed of his bonds. He got up and was ready to hit Gerald as the lieutenant put up his hands in defense. Whoa, 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 there, kid, wait, easy. I didn't do this to you. It was my general. I'm, I'm really sorry about this. this. This was all a terrible mistake. Marianne cocked her head from Gerald to the herd of villagers running at full speed towards the cliff, led by the police, the mayor, and a recovered Arthur Spencer. General Carver ran towards Marianne with his sword drawn, crying out, You! You devil bird! I'll cut you to ribbons! Marianne took a few steps back and was about to fly away when there was a sharp metallic ping. General's sword was shot out of his hand and sent flying away. Solomon grabbed his hand in pain and looked over to see Lieutenant Waltham holding a smoking gun at him. That is enough, Solomon, said Gerald angrily. He reached up and tore off his lieutenant bars. I've had enough of this and you. The general, demented and wild-eyed, pointed at the bird and screamed, Are you out of your mind, Lieutenant? Look at the evil that stands before you. 
Gerald just stared at the general and said, I am. The horde of townspeople arrived quickly and surrounded the soldiers and General Solomon Carver. Marianne, realizing this was a perfect time to leave, shot out of sight with a single impressive flap and flew up into the air. She circled the area, let out a deafening screech, and then entered the heart of the Amerly Forest. The mayor raced to his son and hugged him tightly. Son, are you all right? Jason nodded and pointed to Lieutenant Waltham, who was being handcuffed by the police. Wait a minute, Dad. That guy saved me. He wasn't a nutcase like that creep over there. Jason pointed over to General Carver, who was being forcibly led away by three policemen. The mayor called over to the arresting officer. Uh, Gabe, you can take those cuffs off of that one. I'll explain later. Gerald thanked the mayor and started to follow him and his son back to town. Marianne emerged from the forest edge nonchalantly and blended in with a group of townspeople walking back. She strolled up along Jason and tapped him on the shoulder. Jason looked up with a combination of shock and surprise, then smiled a broad grin. Hey, how are you feeling? asked Marianne. I'm okay. How are you? Marianne smiled back. Never felt better. Good, replied Jason. Uh, does this mean I can skip my homework for tonight? No, replied both Marianne and his father. Jason sighed and shrugged his shoulders. Oh, all right. After all, I guess I wouldn't want to grow up and be a bird brain. Marianne reached over and pinched Jason on the arm. This has been a reading of Somethings in the Forest by C. Francis Carnicelli, part of the upcoming book, Somethings in the Forest, a collection of nine short stories for tweens. Thank you for listening.